your Bibles, would you turn to Luke chapter 13? And we're going to finish up a, a sermon that we started this morning. This, in the morning, we, uh, we preached on the graft, what it means to be grafted into the kingdom. And, and, and it's very salvific. It, 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 it deals with our salvation and what we have when we're connected to Jesus. But tonight, I want to teach the second part of that. See, you were grafted for a purpose. You're not grafted just to be grafted. You're not grafted just to get good things from the Lord. You're grafted for the fruit. And that's what I want to talk to you tonight is the fruit. And so this is where we started this morning. Let's begin there again tonight. And um, there were present at the season some that told them of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen, in whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, do you think that they were sinners above all the men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. And then Jesus spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then he said unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. So cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? The answer to that, why cumbereth the ground, the the modern translation would be this. Why is that tree taking up valuable space and doing nothing? There's no fruitfulness. All of this goes together. Would you just ask the Lord, we've worshipped in a mighty way. Now would you let the word of God speak to you in Jesus' name. Father, I don't know what more we could ask in a worship service. What more we could ask that the presence of God would minister and guide. But Lord, now as we hopefully have prepared our hearts, would you let your word go forth? Would you let your word speak to our hearts and our minds? And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As you can be seated. For those of you with OCD, I apologize. My collar stick keeps sticking up. My wife is texting me, telling me my collar is. I don't know what's going on with it. It's got issues, so just let it go, and we're going to be fine. Drive me crazy. Find me a collar stay, Sister Buford. I'm kind of feeling my oats today. Jesus had a habit, when you read the Bible, Jesus had a habit of answering a question With a question. Have you ever met anybody like that? If you haven't, you need to talk to my dad because he's the master of that. Asking a question with a question. I'd get so mad as a child. There was things I wanted. I'd get some money and I wanted to go spend on it. And 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 deep down inside, I knew it would have been a frivolous expense. I probably didn't need it. There were other things I needed to save my money for. And I'd go ask dad. And and dad, dad wouldn't tell me no. He wouldn't say that's a horrible idea. This is what he'd say. Now, Brandon, is that something you really want? Well, yeah, Dad, I think it's the coolest thing. Wouldn't it be awesome? Are you sure, son? About that time, I'd finally just say, all right, fine, don't need it. Jesus did that. He answered a question with a question. Somebody asked a rabbi once, said, why do you always answer my question with another question? You know what the rabbi said? Why shouldn't I? (laughs) This particular account there in the Bible where we, we find, and, and some of that you may not be very uh, accustomed to, this Galileans whose blood Pilate had men- uh, mingled with sacrifices or the, the 18 that the, the tower in Siloam fell. Here's the thing. They were asking 
Jesus, he was posed this question. He said, is the reason Pilate had some Galileans killed, is it because they were sinful? Now, how many of you remember in the, in the Bible when they, they came up and they asked Jesus, they said, this man who is lame, is it because he sinned or is it because his parents sinned? Do you all remember that kind of a story? See, for some reason, back then, they kind of thought that if something bad happened to you, it's because you were exceedingly sinful. And so if you didn't sin, good things happen. And we understand that's not true. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. So Jesus would look at them and he says, now wait a second. See, I'm going to tell you that except everyone repent, you're all going to perish. In fact, he goes on to say, what about that that?" That tower, we don't know much about that tower. Obviously, there was a tower that was built and fell, and 18 people were killed in the collapse, and Jesus was kind of making a point. They weren't exceedingly sinful. It wasn't a punishment. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But he goes on to say this, and this is something that, that has really been, been on my heart, and, and it's, I'm working on it in my own life because Jesus was big on fruitfulness. Many of his parables dealt with fruit. The parable of the sower. The parable of the fig tree. Not this one we read, the other fig tree. This fig tree, on and on. And he begins to say, a man planted a fig tree in his, gar- in his garden. I, I did some research and found a little bit that you would have these vineyards. And, and in the corners of their vineyards where they couldn't plant vines, because vines need a long run, in the corners they would plant fig trees or they would plant other fruit trees so that they could use the space there. I've been told, and in my study I've found that you would plant the fig tree and for the first three years there wouldn't be any fruit. In the fourth year there would be some fruit, but you really weren't supposed to depend on that. You kind of needed to let that go. And then the fifth year was when you harvested fruit. It took time for that to mature. I don't know why the owner of that fig tree had come three years and said, I don't see fruit, let's cut it down. But as I said this morning, there was a keeper of the garden that knew it took time for something to be fruitful. Give it time. Let me dig around it. Let me till around it. Let me put some dung or some fertilizer around it. And let me give it time. See, you were not created to just take up space. You were not created just to say, I've got a ticket to heaven. Hallelujah, let's go to heaven. You were created to be fruitful. There is a principle in the Bible. I And, and uh, allow me, please, to read several verses at, uh, in a row. And, and I, I may kind of skip a, a little bit of them. But in John chapter 15, verse 11, I spoke these things unto you that my joy might remain in you and your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you loved one another. No greater love hath any man than he would lay down his life for a friend's. All of that. But he says this in verse 16. You have not chosen me, Jesus said, but I have chosen you and ordained you for this purpose. That you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. I I hope by the time we get done, you understand this. Fruitfulness is not measured by just a brief season of your life. 
it's easy for us to look at a new convert that, that gets the Holy Ghost and gets saved and they're so excited about God pulling them out of a pig pen that they're telling everybody and their mother's uncle about the goodness of Jesus and then as that new convert mellows, so to speak, suddenly no longer are they witnessing and testifying. I'm going to tell you right now that when you get to heaven, the Lord is going to ask, were you fruitful for the duration of your life? He's not looking at were you fruitful 19 years ago. Now, can fruit change? Absolutely. Is there seasons to your fruit? Absolutely. But are you fruitful now? Romans said that, that, uh, that we are, and, and Romans chapter 7 is a spiritual uh, alluding to marriage. That we once were married to the devil. We once were married to our sin. But, but when you repent, there is a death that occurs. And if your spouse dies, you're no longer bound to them. That, that's, that's just kind of how that goes, in case you're wondering. And he says this, Wherefore, my brethren, you are also become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead. And here's the reason. You're no longer under the law. You're under this, this new birth experience. Why? So that you should bring fruit unto God. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 verse 11 that you need to be filled with fruits of righteousness. In Colossians he said, uh, he said that, we might walk, that we should walk worthy of the Lord in all, into all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Do you, do you catch that? Fruitful. It's the whole reason the fruits of the Spirit is there. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because you were called to be fruitful. So I'm going to do this quickly. I think you're a mature congregation that can handle a a quick sermon without me having to spend five or ten minutes on every point. Because if we do that, your pizza's going to be cold. Psalms 1. This is how you're going to produce good fruit. Psalms 1, chapter chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be planted like a tree by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. First off, if you want to be fruitful, you need to be in contact with the living water. I'm... We, we, we don't have a garden. Uh, we have planters that we're, we've planted um, our, our tomatoes in. You've heard me talk about it um, and, and my uh, issues with the coons and the skunks and everything else that like to eat my tomatoes before I get a chance to eat my tomatoes. But it's okay. They're going to go to heaven in a little bit. I've figured it out. Not sure how it's going to work, but we're going to send them to heaven. But, but I planted them in, in buckets. And you know what I learned about them buckets? When it gets hot, it's, it, it dries up really fast. And if you don't water them plants almost every day, their leaves begin to wither, and those tomato plants will literally droop over. And then I'll go put about a gallon of water in that bucket, come back in 30 minutes, and they're standing straight up. 
If you want to produce good fruit, you've got to be connected to the living water, not just ever once in a while, not just on a revival moment, not just at a North American Youth Congress, young people, but there needs to be a daily contact with that living water. Blessed is the man that is planted by the streams, by the rivers of water. It is not enough for you to come to church and get something from a sermon and live Monday and Tuesday and sometimes Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday without ever getting contact with that living water. If you do, you're going to dry up, you're going to desiccate, and you're not going to have any fruit. The second thing you got to do is you got to receive it. Matthew chapter 13, verse 23, part of Jesus' explanation of the parable of the sower. He says, he that receiveth the seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it. And also it bears fruit and bringeth forth sometimes a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. In our lives, it's more than just, if you will, a seed of salvation. I would tell you today that there's a lot of fruit you and I can produce. And part of that fruit is what are you planting inside your life? Sometimes I'm planting peace. Sometimes I'm planning long-sufferingness and patience. I don't like that one, but I do. Sometimes I'm, I'm having to plant some seeds of meekness. Sometimes I'm planting seeds of joy. Sometimes I'm planting seeds of witnessing and testifying. But you've got to receive the word, hear the word, do the word. And if you do so, there is a coming forth a bearing of fruit. Now, now, I don't understand this exactly. I'm not a botanist. But Jesus did a pretty good explanation in John chapter 12 and verse 24. He said, verily, verily. That means listen closely. I say unto you, except a corn or a kernel of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. In order for you to produce fruit, you're going to have to be willing for God to plant you, and some old things pass away. I love living for God, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Brother Cozart, you couldn't pay me enough money to walk away from this truth. But I will tell you, there are sacrifices I've made for this. Some of you, 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 you've, you, you still love your family and you've got connections with your family. But, but for some of you, it's just not the same, those connections, because you've chosen to walk a path of truth and righteousness and your family doesn't understand that. That's why Jesus said that, that, that you're going to have to leave your mother and forsake your dad and your brother and your sister. It didn't mean you have to literally excommunicate them, but just it's the point. There is some things they are going to have to lose your life if you want to see life eternal. And I don't like that planning part. I don't like to get buried up and it's dark and cold and I don't get to see anything growing, but it's what's happening inside. 
We like to talk about holiness, and I believe in it, and I practice it. But how many times have you heard me say this? It's not what's on the outside that matters the most. It's what starts on the inside. Can I tell you that the fruit of the Spirit is the same there? You cannot fake the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot fake joy, love, and peace. You can have that, but it's not the fruit of the Spirit unless there has been something buried and something laid down on an altar, and there's a time of maturing and a time of planting, and one day you look back and you say hey I've been walking in some places I didn't know I could I didn't realize I could be patient I didn't realize I could have that meekness I didn't realize I could be long suffering gotta have that planting and that death again not only uh, is that it's what I preached this morning I don't have a lot of time to do it again John chapter 15 I'm the vine you're the branches he that abides in me and I in him then the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If you didn't hear it, go get on our website, get on our app, go listen to the sermon this morning. But here it is in a nutshell. Until you are grafted in, until you are inserted into God, the Bible says that we are baptized into his name. That spear that pierced his side opened up a wound. Those nail prints in his hands opened up a wound for you and I to be grafted in like a wild olive branch that we read about uh, that's grafted into that trunk. And it's that trunk, it's that old root stock that gives you and I the ability. The sap comes from the root and the nutrients comes from the roots. And it all begins to course through that, 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 that vine. And if you're not in him, you don't have his provision. As I said this morning, go cut a branch off a tree, throw it on the ground, watch how long it lasts in this heat. It withers, it dies. Because it's not connected to life anymore. Sometimes the reason your life is dry and desiccated and it's a desert place. The reason spiritually that you are parched. The reason that you hunger is because you're not connected to the source of life. You've got to abide in him. Notice it did not say I'm the vine and you are the branches and you just need to get connected to me and then do whatever you want to do. It said you have to abide in me. That branch, let's, it could, you, you choose whatever you want to choose. Go take an olive. I mean, that's not olive. Those are grapes. Take the grapevine. Say that grapevine is the world champion grapevine. Its its grapes are the biggest. Its grapes are the juiciest. Its grapes win awards. It does everything. Take that that vine and you pluck it from the rootstock and you throw it on the ground. That vine can say, and I have no, I think those were peanut and war grapes or however you say that word. If I, if I remember the picture I got. But they can't say, well they can say, I'm a, I'm a Pinot Noir grapevine. I'm the world champion producer of those grapes. But because it's separated, it will never produce another grape. I've seen so many people in my life that got connected to God somewhere in their life, but they have decided for whatever reason to disconnect. And they always go back and they tell you about the good old days. They tell you about how it used to be, and they, they say, you know, I'm, I'm born again. I, I've been sanctified. I've been touched. But the question I want to ask them is what fruit are you bearing right now? Because you cannot exist on being connected one time. Are you abiding in him? 
But this is where I want to spend a moment. There's something that I have learned. And that is that fruit, and I've been doing this study and been looking at it. Fruit only grows on new growth. Should listen to this for a minute. Only grows on new growth. Because you don't take the oldest part of the tree and that's where you go pick it. Now you may say, well, Brother Buford, I got an apple tree in my yard that's 50 years old and it's still bearing fruit. You are correct. But what does that fruit start as? It starts as a blossom. Was that blossom there last year? No. Was that blossom a new blossom? Yes. If you still have a blossom on your tree from last year, it's never going to produce fruit. And so it only grows where there is new growth. This is why pruning is so important. I had to, I had to, to, to spend some time talking to dad a couple days ago to make sure I understood pruning because he is the master of pruning. He'll tell you how to prune. If you want to know when to prune your, your, your roses, go talk to him. If you want to know when to prune your fruit trees, go talk to him because there's a season for all of that. And there's a way to prune it. You don't just go and start chopping limbs off. That's what I do. And my trees never look like his trees. In fact, uh, Saturday we were out at the property and, and I got to chopping trees down that kept hitting my cowboy hat off my head when I'd mow. And dad came back and he said, I know what you're doing, but you did it wrong. And he showed me the proper way to prune. Because if you, if you prune it wrong, you'll kill part of the branch and it'll die. And then that death of that branch will cause disease and rot. And it could affect the rest of it. you got to know when to prune. And pruning and chastening is important. That's why in uh, John chapter 15 and verse 15, he's, or, or chapter 15 verse 1, he says, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman, and every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. That word purgeth means he prunes it. How many of you, and, and this is probably how most of you know about pruning. Most of you don't have apple trees. In the, how many of you have those, those bushes in your front yard, and, and you know, whether it's yews or, or mesquite or juniper or whatever, and you, and you like to make them look pretty like hedges? Any of you got any of those? Have you ever noticed, Brother Jolly, if you prune it right, it grows fuller? Ever notice that? If you get it at the right moment at the right time, and you begin to prune it and you shape it, then all of a sudden new growth, new bright green growth begins to shoot out everywhere because if you'll purge the branch, if you'll prune the branch, it will produce fruit. In your life, there is a moment that we need to where God says, I want you to produce fruit, and in doing so, I'm going to have to spend some time pruning. One of the things that is often pruned in a a fruit tree or, or even on your tomato plants are what they call suckers. I don't know if you know, uh, know anything like this, if you've ever seen it or if you do it, but if you have a tomato plant, you'll notice there'll be a, a, a nice branch, so to speak, out of that tomato plant. And right where that branch connects to the main part of the tomato plant, there'll be a, a little branch about this tall. Or you'll have a, a fruit tree, and it'll have a nice branch, but it will shoot these suckers, and these suckers will grow very tall, but they'll never produce fruit. It, it, they, they're green, they, they, they have sap flowing through it. In fact, here's what happens. All those suckers do is suck. That's why they call them suckers. 
And all they do is take the sap and take the nutrients and they're never going to produce fruit. And in your life and in my life, I don't want anything that just sucks the life away but does not produce fruit fruit. This is why the Bible says that we should lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us. What is it that is sucking the fruitfulness out of your life living for God? I can't answer that. So so since I can't look at you and answer it for you, let me just tell you some things that if you're not careful will suck the fruitfulness out of your life. Number one, you can get so involved in your job that you quit coming to church and your job begins to suck the fruitfulness out of the life that God saved you for a purpose. Your family. I've seen people, now, now I'm all for family and I love family. But I'm going to tell you right now, I've got to be saved. And I love my family. And there are times that we come to church when we could be doing other things. And if your family is sucking the life out of you, you need to get some pruning around your family. I love sports. There's times that I use sports references. But I have seen all too often, and the reason right now my children are not in sports is because I've seen too many times that sports sucks the relationship with God. And so what happens is you spend all of your time making sure you can hit a home run or making sure you can kick a ball into a goal. And where is the fruitfulness for the Lord? Can they exist together? Absolutely. But if it's sucking out your fruitfulness, there needs to be a pruning. Now I'm thankful. That some 18, 19 years ago, I got into a relationship with Brianne Winterbottom. But relationships, if you're not careful, can suck the fruitfulness out of your life. I've watched people that have lived for God and they love God and then they get into a relationship and suddenly all of that is gone. If your relationship with anyone else is sucking the fruitfulness from your life, then there needs to be a pruning going on. It's important. A gardener, and this comes from my father, a gardener is more concerned about the tree. It's more concerned about the, the, the tree than that branch. Here's the thing. If you have a tree and it's got a hundred branches on it, that, that gardener might look at that one branch and say, that one branch, it's got some disease or, or it's, it, it's not producing. I'm going to cut that one branch off. And in doing so, yeah, it hurts if if trees have feelings. I don't know. But yeah, it hurts. The branch is lost. It's it's chopped up. It's burned for kindling. But the tree is saved. But I've seen some people that are more concerned about one unfruitful branch in their life that they lose the whole tree. I would much prefer that God reach down in my life I would much prefer that he say, Brandon, here is a weight that doth so easily beset you. And if you'll give me permission, so to speak, the Lord would like to take care of that one branch that might kill the entire tree of your life. And if I have to do without that branch, Brother Jonathan, I'm okay. Because the tree was saved. It grows, that fruit grows on new growth. There's a maturing process. I'm well aware of that. My dad and I and Zane, we've been picking blackberries 
And, and one thing I've learned about blackberries is the blackberries, the, you'll, you'll see those what they call canes. They're real tall. They prick, uh, prickly things. And, and uh, the first year, they don't grow fruit. It's usually the second year. But again, that, that cane that's a year old, that next, that second year, if you catch it just right, it's covered in blooms. Because fruit only grows on new growth. Let me ask you this very, 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 I don't know any other way to say it. Right now, how long have you lived for the Lord? Just, just in your mind, no one has to tell me, just how long have you lived for the Lord? Are you still growing? If there's no growth in your life right now, then I know beyond a shadow of a doubt there is no fruit. And if there is no fruit, we are going against God's word because he said, I want you to be fruitful and I want you to abide in me and continue to bring forth fruit. So I'm asking you this question. What are you doing right now for new growth? The fact that you're here tonight tells me that, that you're okay with new growth. Now maybe you're here against your will. Maybe your arm was, was tied behind your back and your spouse drug you to church. I don't know, but... Uh, let, let's take that exception out. You're here tonight because you want to hear the word of God. And you want the word of God to get implanted in your heart. And you want that word to grow. And sometimes that's just enough new growth for you to be fruitful. Now, I could take a lot of time, and I'm not. I could take a lot of time to talk to you about the bad fruit that grows. The works of the flesh that are there. I could take you to Deuteronomy 32 and verse 32 that says their vine is the vine of Sodom, their fields are of, of Gomorrah, and their grapes are grapes of gall, and their clusters are bitter, bitter. I will tell you that sinful fruit causes all sorts of problems. First off, it's bitter. I realize I'm preaching very pragmatically tonight. I'm not screaming, I'm not hollering, but listen to me, friend. If your life is marked with bitterness, your fruit is wrong, and you need a pruning. In Isaiah chapter 5, it says that he, he planted a vineyard, fenced it, gathered the stones, and took them out, planted it with the best of vines, built a tower in the middle of it, made a wine press, and he was waiting for it to bring forth grapes. The Bible says it brought forth wild grapes. I, I want my life not to be measured by the natural fruits, but the spiritual fruits. I want my life to be measured by the things that come from what God has put in my life, not from things I could say I did on my own. Hosea said this, he said, Israel's an empty vine, it bringeth forth fruit only unto itself. Bad fruit is selfish fruit. It's just for me. Hosea 10 goes on to say, you've plowed wickedness, you've reaped iniquity, you've eaten the fruit of lies. You did trust in your own way and the multitude of your own mighty men, it's a deceitful fruit. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 says that a good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. 
And so bad fruit is corrupt fruit. And here's what I'm getting at because of all of that. Matthew chapter 7 says you'll know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes out of the thorn bushes? Do they gather figs out of the thistles? Because only good trees bring forth good fruit. Only evil trees bring forth corrupt fruit. So every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is to be cut down, cast in the fire. For whereby their fruits you shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we not cast out devils? And in thy name have we not, not, or have we done many good works? But then I will profess unto them, I don't know you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. And the reason is their fruit. See, there is going to be a judgment. I could I don't have time, but I could take you through all Second Peter chapter two and chapter three. Talks immensely about the day of the Lord and it, it's about it's coming and, and that we're gonna be judged and there's a, a place where those can enter, well done, my good and faithful servant, but another place where you're cast into darkness, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, you're gonna be judged by your fruit. And if we're gonna be judged by our fruit, then it only seems to make sense I best be fruitful because if you know what the test is going to be you might as well study what you need to study if you know what they're looking for it makes it easy to pass when you get to heaven he's going to ask you where's the fruit I give you all the reasons, seven or eight reasons or ways that you can be fruitful. Then I told you some things about the bad fruit. But again tonight, let me remind you, Luke chapter 13 and verse 8. In fact, as you stand with me tonight. It's the, it's the man that came to the vineyard and told the keeper of the garden, said, I, I don't see any fruit on this tree. Let me cut it down and, and, and we'll, we'll burn it. We'll get rid of it. It's taking up space. But the keeper of the vineyard said this. He said, Lord, you don't know how long I've worked on this vineyard. This is how I ended this morning, and it's going to be how I end tonight. Lord, let it alone this year. Don't, don't cut it down quite yet. Let me dig around it, and let me put dung in it. Let me put fertilizer in it. And then let's see if next year it bears fruit. And if it does, that's well. And then after you give me some time, if it doesn't, then you can cut it down and you can burn it. And Second Peter said, in Second Peter, he said it so eloquently. He's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The reason we have tonight is because there's some that need to bear fruit. There's some of us that need to get some pruning done so we bear more fruit. And the Lord is not ready just to cut our vines down and burn us. He says, no, I'm going to give you a little bit more time. I'm going to take some time to reach into your life. The reason I preach and you feel his hand on your heart, maybe a hot tear that begins to spring unbidden to your eyes. Maybe your mind begins to work. I don't know how many times I preach messages and some of you said, you don't understand, Pastor. 
I was driving in the car and this was the verse that I was thinking about and you preached it tonight or me and my wife were driving in the car and we were talking about this exact same thing you preached I believe that's happening tonight and it's because the Lord is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance because the Lord wants to make give you all the time he possibly can for you to be fruitful oh there's coming a day there's going to be a day where the season's done no more time for growth no more do-overs he's going to call the reapers in and they're going to look but I'm asking you tonight would you make sure you're fruitful first off you got to be grafted in you got to be put into his presence and second off you've got to give him praise and glory and you've got to let him work in your life so that you can bear fruit for him would you close your eyes right now would you just begin to lift your hands and would you let the word of God speak?